0: I wish you all a very happy Fourth of July today. Wonderful uh civil holiday we have, and it's recognized in our liturgy as optional, so that's why we have the, the extra readings and why there's the white and we have a nice opening prayer that has to do with the Fourth of July. Um, in our gospel selection today, Christ is talking about really the image of God in man. It's a very clever way of Getting around these guys in the, their entrapment, and so he, he he basically sets out the relationship between church and state in a very deft manner. And uh, he's got the coin, and the coin has Caesar's inscription on it, so, so it looks like it belongs to that guy. So so give Caesar his his what, what you know is his image, but then you know conversely give to God what belongs to Him, and the implication is that there's an image of God. You know, in the human soul, and so therefore we need to give ourselves to God, and it's a good way of kind of divvying up um, our allegiances and balancing out uh, what we owe to who. In our first reading from Genesis, we see God, we see man made in the image of God, and uh, this also is a very, um, a very powerful passage. It's the first chapter of Genesis. And uh, there's really a lot going on here. This is one line that sticks out to me. It says, God looked at everything he had made, and he found it very good. Okay, And in, in the first chapter of Genesis, as God goes and he creates and brings order to the world, he's, there's this constant refrain. He looks upon it, and he sees that it is good. It is good. It is good. And um, goodness uh, is basically correlative to love. So even though the first chapter of Genesis and the creation narrative does not use the word love, love, God's love is implicit throughout it all, because God is looking, we love what is good. Goodness attracts love, goodness flows forth from love, and so the goodness that we see in creation is a reflection of God's own goodness, but his own love as well, and God wanted to share his own goodness and his own love with other intelligent beings, not because he had to, just simply because he wanted to, because he's generous. That's why he created the world. And uh, so here we are, humankind made in his image. And um, it says God created man in his image, in the divine image he created him, male and female he created him. Now I'm probably going to be speaking about this this Sunday here. gets to This comes to um, the topic of human sexuality. Humankind is made, it, there's, there's two um, versions, if you will, of human nature. There's a male version and there is the female version. And together they constitute the image of God. It's very deep, it's very profound. Um, originally God intended femininity and masculinity to be complementary with each other. When sin comes into the picture, and this is what we're dealing with in the, in the second, reading from James, James is talking about why is there war amongst you. It's because your passions that are at war in your heart cause division amongst you. But because of sin and because of this tendency to, to sin that we have, this tendency to selfishness that we have as a result of original sin, uh, that original complementarity between men and women, between masculinity and femininity, becomes uh, not complementarity, but becomes division. And we have fighting and conflict between men and women and the breakdown of the uh, marriage unit and the family unit, um, <clears throat> but it's because of selfishness. We see, though, that uh, God's original intention was that uh, masculinity and femininity reflecting God's image um, would work together to form a community of persons And that community of persons is a reflection of the Holy Trinity. God is a community of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the first, the second, and the third person of the Holy Trinity. Uh, And that community of persons that comes from the husband and the wife, it results in more community of persons, meaning children. And then from the family unit is built up kind of like a tribe, you know, more a primitive form of human organization is a tribe, and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until you turn into a city-state, and then there's basically the nation-state, which is what we have today with the, the modern way that the world is politically organized. You have the nation-state. and uh, But the unit of it all, it all goes back to the family unit. And uh, my prayer and our prayer as Christians is that those passions that are at war within our members uh, would be conquered and overcome by the power of Jesus Christ, such that there would be peace, there would be harmony, there would be true community of persons, starting at the most basic unit of human society, the family. And then that unity would then flow forth outwards and affect our community, affect our nation. And then from there, as a nation of people who are interested in communion and not in division and fighting and so forth and so on and conflicts, but working together as a team, for the common good, we would then be able to look at all nations as neighbors and work together for the good of the whole world. That's the ideal. Now obviously there's war, <laughs> lots of conflict, I and mean, that's not the, the reality, it's because we live in a fallen world. And we see, uh, the, the, the passions, um, of of the flesh cause this division, but it really, it begins with the human heart. So the key to world peace The key to a community of nations that's flourishing is a conversion of the human heart back to that original love that God gave to us in the beginning, that original desire that God had that we would live in community with one another, fundamentally as husband and wife, as families, as local communities, and as nations. Uh, That's the answer. It's that love. It's a conversion of heart. And apart from the gospel, the good of the nation is not going to be achieved. Apart from the gospel, apart from the power of God's love coming through to us through Jesus Christ, the good of the world is not going to be achieved. So we pray for conversion fundamentally. It's a real error when this is a fundamental political error that people make is they think, well, you know, you've got religion and that's kind of like this private thing that you do on Sundays. And uh, you got private morality but you know, when it comes to running a nation, you got to be freaking Machiavellian. You got to be tough. You got to be realist. You got to be—you got to deal with real politics. You got to get—you uh, know—deal with people's passions and appeal to their anger and their pride. No, no. <laughs> Just like the morality that we would speak about and that we would try to practice from—you know—person to person, neighbor to neighbor, from within our family, within our local community. We extend that to the the whole nation and to the world as a whole. Do unto your neighbor as you would have them do unto you. That same principle that applies for us at an interpersonal level needs to be applied as well at an international level. And and thereby we will attain the peace for which all of us so so dearly long. So today, my brothers and sisters, on this Independence Day, we thank God for our country. We pray for peace uh, amongst our citizens. And we pray that our country would be a source of blessing and peace for all the nations of the world.